0: Bibles for me. Let's stand and lift up our Bibles say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living, Seed of the word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. We welcome you all here. Thank God for your great effort to be here in person. Those of you joining us on Facebook Live also, we welcome you from our congregation. We just speak blessings over you in the name of Jesus that... uh, You'd be exceedingly blessed, safe, well, in Jesus' name. And uh, uh, and then er, Albert, earlier, what's what does your watch say again? What's what is it centigrade? Uh, the temperature was it minus twenty seven? Minus twenty seven. Uh, now that's centigrade. So some of you, that's all you know. You know, it's only in the United States that use Fahrenheit. Uh, the rest of the world's all on the metric system so but for some of you watching 27 below 0 centigrade that just gives you an idea now I know it's hard to comprehend if all of you know it is warm weather it's tough to figure it out usually you'd say stick your head in the refrigerator or in the freezer but if you don't have that it's hard to understand how cold it is but suffice it to say you don't want to be outside longer than 15 minutes without a jacket or your skin will freeze and uh, so, so, thanks for coming and making the effort to be here today. So, we're talking on love in action. Of course, this is a Valentine's uh, Day and so forth. We're going to Galatians uh, chapter 5. Love in action. Now, the fruit of the Spirit begins with love, all right? So, and, and God is love. So, it begins with love. It's out of that that precedes everything else. In terms of, of fruit. Now remember, fruit is growing. Love, gifts are given. Fruit is growing. So when you read the fruit of the Spirit, it should be all of us that would want to plug in more to Jesus to grow more of these things. Amen? So so I, I constantly, I look at, uh, you know, you can feel like, well, boy, we're really strong in the Lord and so forth. But when I look at the Word, I look at Jesus now, I'm always thinking, Lord, help me to grow Help me to grow in this fruit. Help me; the fruit is good. Now, all the fruits involve verbs, so they involve actions. So it's not just something that you can say, "Yeah, I've got love." Well, love is a demonstration of something. So, so they invo- all involve actions. There are actions in our lives. They require actions. Fruit is something that you experience. Yeah. All right. So you, you need to experience these things—love, joy, peace, long suffering. You don't want to just talk about it. The goal is to experience it, live it, that it's seen in us, and other people experience it through us in their lives. All right, First John four eight. Of course, here's the thing: it says God is love. Well, that's the very nature and the heart of God. He's He's love, and love requires action. So we know from John three sixteen, God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten, His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. So, so because God is love, He He always is demonstrating this love to us. He's always showing us a measure of love in our lives, and giving us examples for us that if we look at it, we think, Hey, I can really grow by this. You know, we experience it every day. Really, is the effects of His love. He's not heavy-handed. He's not here to to. Uh, you know, kind of beat you up when you mess up. He's here to bless your lives. His hands are open, not like a clenched fist. So we can't think of God in relation to humanity because we are so fallible. You know, we, we can get upset, different things. God cares so much for this world that he gave his son Jesus Christ for us. So it's a wonderful thing to think about this, this thing of love and how it grows. Now, now, we know that fruit will grow on a tree or on a vine, right? And love is the same way. Love will grow when it's attached to something, based on what it's attached to. Now, we know John 15. Let's go to John 15 a second. So, so, we're going to grow what we're attached to. If I'm attached to the world, then I'm going to produce anger, impatience. I'm going to produce all the things the opposite of love. If, if people, if Christians sometimes, and they might be a born-again Christian, and yet they look at their lives and they think, wow, things just seem out of order, I'm all messed up. It's because they're attached to the wrong thing. If, if I'm attached just constantly listening to the world, right, then that's what I'm going to produce. Many people, many people, many Christians, let's bring it to Christians again, they're frustrated, they're frustrated, they're angry, and so forth. You have to stop and think, who am I attached to? Who am I drawing my life from? Right, So I have to draw my life from Jesus Christ. He, he, is, he is a true vine. You know, and it says, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. So you know, notice this word abides. means we have to live in Jesus. And Jesus will live in us. If we do that, then we're attached to this lifeline to bear the fruit of Jesus Christ. Remember Galatians, it's the fruit of the Spirit. So it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now the world has a spirit too. Incidentally, everybody's producing fruit of some kind. It's a matter of what, what kind you want to produce. So, I mean, nobody, nobody wants to, uh, you know, in the, in the wintertime or Christmas time and so forth, we get a box of fruit from the FFA. And so we, we open that up. Well, nobody wants a box of rotten fruit, right? You don't, what would you do with rotten fruit? Well, you throw it out. A rotten apple or a pear or whatever. Well, it's rotten. You throw it out. You want something that's fresh. You want something that's real. Something that's tastes good. And the same thing with our Christianity. So we have to. As long as you've known the Lord, sometimes people say, "I've known the Lord for forty years. Wonderful." But you have to be attached today, because otherwise, otherwise, something hanging in my life. We can say, people can say to me, "I know all about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Pastor. Great." But is your fruit good or is it rotten? It's only going to stay fresh if we stay attached. So he's the vine. We have to live. We have to live in Jesus. We have to live in the source of love. Now, on my own, you know, you can have some willpower and so forth. But on your own, your love is limited. And if if you go by the source of love, well, the worldly love is all messed up. Because that's all based on physical things and so forth. When the agape love, the love of God, is all based on giving. The agape love of God is always giving something. It's always imparting something. So when we, when we abide in Jesus and he lives in us, there's something being imparted to us all the time. Now, what God wants then in verse 8, he says, My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So God is interested in us in producing more fruit all the time. A farmer doesn't have a crop last year and think, wow, it was a great, great year and so forth, and then forget about it. He's looking already, he wants to produce more the next year. He's always interested in the production. He's interested in the output. What's, 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 how much are we getting per acre? What is the yield? Yeah. Amen. So if we're attached to Jesus, we should be interested in, you know, in producing more. Say more. So if, if, much, if you bear much fruit, let's just say we bear much love. And today we're kind of focusing on that. But of course it involves joy and peace and all those things. But, but he wants you to bear more love. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you today. You don't want to be content. In this case, you don't want to be content where you're at. You want to have more. You want to increase the level of production. The only way I can do that is going to the source. So my source is not the TV and it's not the radio, but it's in his presence attached to him and his word in me. Then his word ministers to me and causes me to act like him. So when I'm in the Bible, I'm reading it for me. God, God is dealing with me. When we talked before about we are his workmanship, he's dealing with me. And the hands of the spirit get on me and he touches my heart in terms of forgiveness and grace and mercy and all the things how I would teach, uh, how I would respond or react to other people. Amen. Amen. No. Amen. Yeah. And we can never say, well, I've already done that or I already know that because it's always a process every day. So, so, you know, as well as me, if you had. Uh, a, a tree or something, or let's just say something easier you could pull up. You have a stock of corn, so it looks healthy and so forth. But if you went out there and pulled it up, left it lay overnight, go back the next day, you're going to see that stock of corn wilted immediately because it's, it's detached now from its source of nutrients and water and life. And so now it's detached, and just in a moment, in one day, it starts to wilt. I mean, it's why we emphasize Bible reading, why we emphasize being in the presence of the Lord and so forth, is because when we do that, we know by experience, and because it's the truth of the Word of God, that it's a daily walk with Him. And I have to be attached if I'm going to produce the right fruit. Otherwise, we can get angry, frustrated. Have you ever been frustrated? Well, it's a big club. There's a lot of people frustrated, all right? A lot of people frustrated. Christians, I'm talking about Christians get frustrated. Christians get, get angry. Christians, Christians can lose their temper. I had to learn that even, even becoming a Christian, my sins were forgiven, but I still had an old nature I had to deal with to be renewed. So, so my dad, my dad and his life and so forth, wonderful person, and yet he also had a temper and different things. And so those, I had to deal with stuff that, you know, things get passed on to us. How many know that? Things just get passed on to us. Whether you like it or not, there's DNA. And so then you have to deal with traits that you realize, you know, that's not a good trait. That's how my dad would have responded. Amen? So knowing that, then I have to resist that old nature, tap into the new nature through Jesus Christ, so that I can become a new person. So I can become more patient more kind, more loving, more gracious. In the the process, I'm going to experience more joy. Amen? Amen. Just the way it is. John 15, verse 2. So a branch that, in Jesus Christ, that doesn't bear fruit, stops bearing, he trims it or prunes it. And he cleanses it and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more richer and more excellent fruit. So God is, what is he telling us? He's saying, I'm really interested in this fruit crop. I'm interested in what you're producing. Yeah. Amen. We could put all the focus on, well, we're soul winners. We've got to do this. We've got to tell people about Jesus. But even in addition to that, better, better yet, added to it, if we have the character of Jesus in us. So then people on your job see how... The kind of person you are loving, gracious, kind. Then that opens the door for them to hear your word about Jesus. But if they see in us somebody that acts like everybody else, that's argumentative, that isn't patient, gets upset. Then you can share that same gospel and it's not the ground isn't going to be as receptive. So character is huge. Huge. Now, people don't, people don't, you know, like conferences. they are going to have a conference on the character of God. It's like, I think I'm busy that weekend, you know. don't know if I can make it. That doesn't, that doesn't appeal to a lot of people. And yet, that's the thing, the very thing that gives strength to our lives. That's the very thing that helps us to stand in the midst of adversity. Helps us to reach more people because of Christ in us. Wouldn't it be a blessing if people say, wow, I I don't know what it is about them, but they're the nicest person. I think that's a good testimony. Amen. I mean, granted, you still have to share salvation, still have to share Jesus, but it makes a whole lot easier if they think you're a nice person. Amen. It It just makes it a whole lot better, smoother. The process is smoother. So so God is interested in us bearing fruit and so interested that he's saying, hey, if you let me now, I'm going to trim off some things on you with your, trim off some attitudes that are wrong, trim off some actions that are wrong, so that you can bear or produce more fruit. Now, one of the things, it's important to understand the Bible in context, because pruning, you're cleansed, you're pruned because of the word. So it's through the word that we're pruned. So in other words, God isn't going to say, you know, Dave, uh, you need to grow in this area, so wham, you know, something bad happens. I'll teach you this way. And of course, much of the body of Christ believes that, that you're pruned, you're disciplined through these harsh, harsh circumstances. But the truth is, it's through the word of God. Say the Bible. Well, if we're in the Bible, God is going to continually teach us things about himself and how to grow in his nature. So that's, that's, it's like your child, you wouldn't teach your child something about fire and heat and put their hand in the fire. You wouldn't do that, right? It's not how you do that. You, you treat, teach them, instruct them, and you want your kids to listen to you. How many parents want their kids to listen to them? <laughs> hey, so here's, here's one thing. We live in this day and age of technology. So how, how are most people living their life? Well, they're, living, they're looking at their device, aren't they? How are a lot of people walking? The accident rate of people walking and texting is huge, you know, but they're walking and they're looking at their device and so forth. What's a good way, what's a good way for, to understand that people are listening? And it's what I ask all the time, be it my grandkids or whatever, I say, look at me. Right? It'd be like like I've told the grandkids, if the coach is saying something, this isn't the time that you're looking up at the stands and everybody else. So this is the time you're looking at what the coach is. You're looking at his eyes. Amen? If I stood in a huddle and, and there's 10 other guys, we're going to call a play. What are they doing? They're all looking at me. They're focused to say, what are you going to call? What are you going, What's the next play? What's, what are we going to do next? So this focus is, is on, on the person giving the instruction. Our focus in Christ is on Jesus Christ. So so if I'm going to be pruned properly, which he is doing all the time, it's amazing. I'm in his word. I'm looking at him. I'm sensitive to him. It's like when I there's there's certain times. Some people, the first thing they get up in the morning is to their phone. What's going on in the world and so forth? When really probably the first place you want to go is the word of God. I'll get to my texts. I'll get to other things. I'll get to phone stuff. But really, the time with Jesus is the most critical because that's where we're attached. And if I'm attached to him, then I can actually respond better to everything else. So we're pruned through the word which Jesus said I've given you. The teachings of Jesus Christ, things that I've discussed with you, you're pruned through that. Because he wants us to produce more fruit. Now lots of times we get into relationships, and of course with people... Uh, that's that. The, that's the crux of the whole world, isn't it? How people get along or don't get along. What's the thing? Most of the time, how often do you ever see people have a conversation like this, face to face? You don't see it. You don't see it in Washington. You don't see it in other politics. You don't see it sometimes in families. And yet, if you're going to really communicate, you have to have a conversation like this. Relationships. Talk about which you don't agree with, listen to each other. I've always said he gave us two ears, one mouth, so listen twice as much. But then as we do that, because we find relationships, and lots of times what we're dealing with in our prayers is to change that person. Deal with them, Lord. Get them, Lord. Change, Change their lives, all those things like that. And so our prayers are outward towards other people, in a difficult thing, maybe. And yet, a lot of times, maybe the Lord is saying, now, can you let me work on you, too? Can you let me work on you? Because human nature, human nature is that we want to get out of things. That's human nature. We want to get out of things. We, we, we don't want to talk about the real issues, so we'll just blame somebody else. But the tough things of life get down to the fact, what does God want to change in me? I realize all the time he wants to change me. I realize all the time he's just saying, I'm not finished with you yet. You're my workmanship, so get over here so we can work together, you know. The clay has to yield to the potter or it's not going to work. And if you get away from the presence of the Lord, the clay gets pretty hard and it's tough to form. So you have to get in the presence of the potter, be soft in his hands and allow him to do things. Let's just stop for a minute. Just lift your hands and just say, Lord, change me. me. Just say it again. Lord, change me. Lord, change my attitude. Lord, change my perspective. Lord, change me that I would be more like you. Amen. So he wants to change us. Amen. We think from glory to glory. We love the power of the Holy Ghost and miracles and all these things. But I think it all flows out of a loving heart. Galatians says faith works by love or faith works through love. So knowing, I think people were around Jesus and they knew that Jesus loved them, which opened the door for faith to work even more. When we minister other places, there's barriers of language and different things. But when you look at somebody's eyes, you smile, have the interpreter say, Jesus loves you, we love you, it does something. Amen. Their hearts are open to receive what God wants to give them. Galatians 5:13. So, we don't use our freedom, we've been called to freedom, but we don't allow our freedom to be an incentive for the flesh. In other words, hey, I can do what I want to do. Now we want our freedom to be used for the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, we don't allow or let our freedom be an incentive to your flesh or an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. But through love, you should serve one another. Now, we have love here. Here's another word, serve. I think the two are really connected a lot in action. Love and action. So, through this love, you're looking for opportunities to serve somebody else. Now, if I'm self-centered just focused on me and you see this in many Christians lives also they're just it's all about them then they're self-centered and they know the word and this and that but it's like no no we want to be Christ-centered centered on him so that we're going to serve notice it says serve somebody else now of course where this where this initially is right in your home right Right in your home. That's where you should serve. If you're married, you should want to serve your spouse. Many, many, of course, some people look at the man, the man's the head of the house and so forth, and the woman does everything for him. Boy, it's just perverted. It's all wrong. You serve one another. Through love, you serve one another. You look for ways to please one another. You look for ways to be nice to each other. What can you do to bless your spouse? And it doesn't take a day to do that, like Valentine's Day. It takes the word of God to do that, that says, this is how I should respond with my life towards my spouse. Amen. So it begins, the, the acid test for anything in the Bible is your home with your children. You don't want to be a dictator in your home. You're going to do it my way, this is how it is around here. Wrong way, your ways is the wrong way. You can be totally right, but wrong in spirit. So we want to use the word of God. We want to use that in us to serve one another. The whole law concerning human relationships is complied or fulfilled with one precept. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. So, so much good happens when we're attached to Jesus. And the agape love is always given. uh, You know, agape love is always giving. But when we're attached to Jesus, something happens. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. To people, a lot of people, their whole life, it's all about them. (laughs) But life goes so much better if we start making it about others in your life and you start giving that way. Everything just gets a whole lot better. Just gets a whole lot better. You know, it doesn't take a day to do something special for your spouse or a friend or it's a birthday or it's an anniversary or whatever. Do it any day. Say, be a giver, be a giver. Any, day. Be any day. Turn to your neighbor and say, love those, love those around you. Love those around you. See, now now where does the Lord look? He looks right into our lives. You could be a pastor of a church. My kids grew up in our home, of course. But, but they saw Jeannie and I. They saw our relationship. They saw what we did for each other. That in turn impacts them... In terms of as a couple and as parents. And we're not perfect parents. Far, far from it. So they saw the good, the bad, the ugly. You know what I mean? But when your attitude is, when your attitude is to grow and to be attached to Jesus, they also see things like, I'm sorry. You know, they also hear apologies. They also see things that are important. You want you, you want to serve the Lord, but you want your kids to grow up and serve the Lord, right? <laughs> Or you want your grandkids to go and serve the Lord. It's the same thing. Our grandkids see us all the time, you know, so we're around them and so forth. But also they can see we make mistakes. But through that, it shapes their lives and how they live and how they treat others. It's a big deal. It's just just a big deal. Matthew Matthew 22, here's, here's simple theology. Uh, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. First and great commandment. The second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang everything else. Everything, take it from the Old Testament forward. Simple theology is you love God and you love people. Now think of that. That's, That's simple theology, and of course condensed, but it's true. So in the world today, if I'm going to love God and love people, it can't be just that, well, I love all of you. You're wonderful. But the world out there, boy, I don't like the world and those sinners and not going to cut it, is it? Have you ever met somebody and their lifestyle is so contrary to yours and you're upset and all that? And that's when Jesus would say, uh, uh, come on over here. Let's shave that attitude off a little bit. Because you could say, I'm right though. And you might be totally right. But you can be totally right and have a wrong attitude. You can be totally right and look not good. That's our world today, folks. We have a lot of people in the body of Christ that, that they dislike this sinner and that sinner and all these things and then throw it into our government and politics and so forth. You just got angry Christians. And Jesus isn't going to do anything. He'll do nothing unless you stop, present yourself to him to let him do some work and some pruning. We can pray all the time till the cows come home, change Him, change them, change them. And the message really gets back to us again. Of course, the world needs Jesus. But the world needs to see Christ in us. Like at Antioch, that they say, wow, they're Christians. They act like Jesus Christ. They act like Jesus. That's the best testimony I think we could have. Someone that says, wow, they're, they're so loving. They care. You know, there will be a day of judgment, I understand. But in the meantime, we're trying to reach this world, right? Right? So I want to, I wanna, when you love people and you open your arms, you bear your heart. And so you obviously create an avenue for you to be wounded and hurt. That's why we need Jesus. That's what he did for us. But with God's help, and we're in the shield of faith, of course, we can open our arms to people and they might, whatever trash what you're doing or something, and yet and yet, love is the big factor. Love God, love people. You should write it down in your notes. That's simple theology. What should, what should I do, Lord? Love them. And what am I saying when you love someone? I'm just saying you don't condone their actions, but you're nice to them yet. Jesus was still nice to people when they were spitting in his face. They were still, still nice to him when they blindfolded him and slapped, slapped his face again and again. I don't know about you, but that would make me upset. And yet the Lord would say, but I don't want you to be upset. When Jesus hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And we always think people know what they're doing. They're speaking against this and they're saying this and that and so forth. They know what they're doing. Folks, this world is a lost world. They're blind. They're blind. They're not even aware they're pawns of the devil. They're not even aware of that. And so, and so if we treat them like the devil, we're just driving farther away, right? So you have to treat them with the love of Jesus. I don't want to come across to people like, uh, like I'm a pastor. and Let me just load up my machine gun of gospel things, <laughs> you know. That's not going to reach a lot of people. You know, I mean, I mean like, like right off, we have, a, we have a, a neighbor who we only met once, but, but, but meet, meeting this person at a, at a post office box on this street, where we're going to put a post office box, all right, up. And we said, well, sometime we'll have to have coffee. And it was very clear that they're not coffee drinkers. They're, they're other drinkers. Very clear right off the bat, that's the kind of people they are. I said, okay, you know. Well, what are you going to do? Well, that's just wrong, and so, you know. No, no, no. He said, it's nice to meet you. We'll have more times to visit. We're here for a reason in this world. That's why we're alive right now. We're not alive so that we can accumulate more things and all this and that and build our own little kingdoms. We're alive to be lights for Jesus. That's why we're here. Every day people are leaving this life, you know. I mean, Parker left this life, you know, a couple of weeks ago. and some of you knew Paul Glenn Denning. He left the life yesterday. Went to be with Jesus. And some of you knew Fred Price. We went to his church in L.A. And he left the life, this life, uh, a day or so ago as well. You know, and people, every, every, every day people are leaving, leaving, leaving. What's the point of it? The point of it is how you influence people. You can't take anything with you. But you want to live your life in such a way that the, that the mortician would feel sad. Or in one, of the, in one of the Nazi camps, there was a pastor who, who in the in, true story, in the Nazi camp, but did things and so forth and loved people. And just before the war ended, there was a word went forth to kill more prisoners. And the day they hung that guy, the guards wept. They hung him out of obedience of some order, and the guards wept when that person was hung. How do we live our lives? Who cares? Who cares? God cares. We should care. Others will care. James 2 says you fulfill the royal law when it comes... The royal law is relationships, right? The royal law, you know, love the Lord your heart with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You should love your neighbor as yourself. This is the second time, again, in Scripture. It was also mentioned twice in the Gospels. Well, who is my neighbor? Well, it begins with my spouse. Amen? <laughs> Begins in your home, then it goes down to your kids or your grandkids, it goes to then co-workers, it just goes to people that you're around, your supervisor or boss. That's the acid test, right? Who in here has a perfect job? Well, nobody would have a perfect job. That's the point of frustration in most people's lives, that I don't like my job. Huge club, (laughs) I don't like my job, I don't like, and what, what does the job deal with? It deals with people. So where's where's the point of growth? The point of growth is prune me, Lord, so I can be more loving on my job with my boss or coworkers or that person is so negative. They always irritate me. They don't do all kinds of things. Amen. So the royal law is loving people, caring about people. How does it play out? It's your actions. What are you doing? It's not, not a mental game here. You're doing something. How can I show love to this person? How, what can I do to show love? Maybe it's showing up earlier for work. Say early. 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 early is always good. Maybe it's showing up earlier. Maybe it's staying a little bit later. Maybe it's to do something else that, that uh, would, would help the job go better. Amen. What can I do to show my love? My, what, I'm, what I'm believing. Romans 13. Let's look at Romans 13. You owe... You don't, you don't want to owe other things, but you owe love. You owe, you don't want don't to owe anything else, except to love one another. He that loves one another has fulfilled the law. Now, I owe love because I've been given love. Amen? So, God loved me to change my life, forgive me, you know, just amazing. And now he says, you owe love. Who do I owe love to? Well, I owe it to Him again, right? You love the Lord, but now I owe it to others. So you've got a vertical relationship and you have a horizontal relationship. Amen? The two go together. The vertical is key first, attached. Horizontal is next. So we love Jesus, hallelujah, but now I've got to love people. I owe love. Say, owe love. You should write down... Most of you don't take notes. I'm a note-taker. Should take notes. But anyway... Put it in your phone or something. Who should you give love to? Who should you give some love to? You begin with your family. What do you want to say to your family? What do you want to, what do you want to put out there? What can you do for somebody? Amen? So we owe love to others. Maybe it's somebody you can compliment. Amen. Be a complimenter. Say you appreciate them because of this or this or this. Things that you can share. Be hospitable. Be someone who welcomes others. We owe love. And then it says, love does no harm to its neighbor. So love is never going to hurt somebody. Sometimes people might think, well, I don't know, I tried that and they got upset. It's not because of love. It didn't hurt them. Love won't hurt anybody. To express appreciation doesn't hurt people. But if you continue to live it over the process of time, they're going to realize you're serious. They're going to realize you care. People don't care how much you know. They just want to know how much you care. We think of Christianity, you know, we've got got to get out all this gospel to share with somebody. And most of it is just how much you care. How much you care about somebody else. So we owe love, and then, and then we take that, the next step, and realize it's not going to hurt anybody. Amen? All right, time's running out for me here. Let's go to Luke chapter 6 a second. So my parents, when I became a Christian, did not like me. And in fact, after, after I became a Christian, I never again heard my parents compliment me in my life. Never again did I hear a compliment. Never again did they say how much they appreciated me. Never again. And so when I became a Christian, one of the things, when you talk about bringing this into your home, I had to to react to my parents, to their language, to their actions of dislike, because they did not like the change in my life. What was the change in my life? I quit drinking, (laughs) quit running down to the bars, changed my language they didn't like that Amen. and to them they thought I was to them they already thought I was a preacher why because I just quit all that and my life was saying something else Amen. but then the Bible comes to these things you need to love your enemies so that was an adversarial relationship with my parents who doesn't want to have your parents like you <laughs> and and think you're wonderful even if you're not always you know what I mean So he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them that despitefully use you. I actually had my parents curse at me. So we on purpose went, we on purpose when we would go to Iowa, we on purpose would try to demonstrate our love. Part of that was just to start, hi, good to see you, Dad. You know, the first time we hugged him, I thought maybe he's going to whack me, you know, because we didn't do that in our family. Our family was not affectionate. All boys didn't do those things. So my dad was like a statue. He says, hi, Dave. You know, it's like that. Through the process of time, we continued to do those things. And then through the process of time, he'd hug me back. The same with my mother and so forth. I saw how my dad treated my mother, which was not good. You know, taking advantage of her, not appreciating her, and realizing that's not the kind of husband I want to be. So I changed I, all those things, wanting the change of Christ in my life. How would I treat my wife? How would I treat her in front of them? And then publicly, how I would compliment my mother in front of my brothers or my dad or so forth for all her work, all the things she did. You know, she'd always sweep it under the rug. Oh, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal, Dave. But I would do it in front of her, in front of my brothers, so everybody would see it. To should demonstrate love. I had brothers that cursed at me. I had brothers that didn't like me. Brothers that told me to my face, you're a failure. Told me to my face. I could have been a lot of things. They said, you became a pastor. It was disgusting to them. So you have to take these words and you have to put actions to those things. Now, I want to go down a few verses. This is very good. This is the Sermon on the Mount. we go down a few verses to Luke 6, verse 35. It says, again, he repeats this, love your enemies, do good, hoping for nothing in return. You're not doing it to get something. You're doing it because it's the word of God. And you will be the sons of the Most High. He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Now, this is huge. God is kind to people. And if anybody, I hear prophetic words today, even judgment on America and judgment on this and that. Folks, they're all wrong. 100% wrong. I want to take people and say, read your Bible. You're acting like some big wolf out there with an angry face that isn't good. Amen. How do I know that? Because my Bible said, Jesus said, that God is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Amen. So you will never reach someone with the word of judgment. Amen. Never. God is not in the business of cracking down on people and getting people and he's going to do this and that. Folks, he sent Jesus. He sent the Holy Spirit convicting people of sins. Now we flow in that with our love to present Christ to people. Amen. You should write this down, put it on your mirror and say every day, Lord, make me that kind of person. Because in the natural, in the natural, I don't want to be kind to the unthankful. I don't like unthankfulness. You can do something for anybody, even a grandkid. I want to hear a thank you. And I sure don't want people acting up doing bad things. And yet God said, I am kind to those people because why? I still want to reach them. I paid the price for their sins. I paid the price for their sins. And so he says, I want you to be merciful. And I think, oh, Lord, help me. Because I don't always feel merciful. So what I need to do, I need to get pruned. Lord, help me. Help me change my attitude. Help me to be nice to that person. I'm going to see him again tomorrow or whenever it is. Help me to be nice. Pruned so that I can show mercy. Why? Because that's what my father's like. And in truth, that's what he gave me. He gave me all those things. I was unthankful living an evil life, and so forth. He loved me, gave me grace, saved me. And he said, yeah, you old love, day, that's what I want you to do now out here. Amen. Say, I can, I can do that. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to do that. You need to do that. To do that. This is, this, the gospel comes down to this relationship. Let's go just one more verse. Let's go one more verse. verse. Verse 38. Now this scripture, this is the context of the Sermon on the Mount. But this is a scripture given unto offering, offerings and so on. Now, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It's the offering time. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with an offering. Nothing. Zero. Nada. Nothing. We heard it again. We just heard it again yesterday in a message. It has nothing to do with money. No, God will give you good measure, press down. It nothing to do with money. The context is giving love. Amen. The context is being good. The context is showing mercy. The context is showing kindness. And so if you give those things, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it come back to you? The same measure that you measure out to others, it will be measured back to you. So the context is in the sermon of the mount is all of these other things that deal with character. Character. Not talking about a tithe. We don't use that here anymore. We did it before. Don't use it anymore. And so given shall be given unto you this word, you know. No. You sow seeds, I understand that. But the context of this is character. That is the context. So that's what we sowed into my family. And my family eventually before my mother died. She prayed and gave her life to Jesus. Before my daddy died he prayed he gave his life to Jesus. My brothers all quote unquote successful financially well. All these things. But all went through hardships. And one by one they all prayed and gave their life to Jesus. And I went from the bottom to the top. From the one who was despised to the one who. They'll call me and ask my advice. Show love. Show appreciation. You'll never go wrong. Amen. Love always does something good. In fact, the Bible says love never fails. And the thing is, with our natural eyes, we think, "Well, I don't see any fruit. I don't see any fruit. Just keep doing it. You know, my my parents gave their lives to the Lord just before they passed away. So I didn't see a lot of quote-unquote fruit. But hallelujah, they gave their lives to Jesus. Best thing that could happen. Best thing that could happen. You know, we're his disciples. We are a reflection of Jesus Christ today. And others are prayers that others will see Jesus in us. Not because we're telling them. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. It's like, uh, okay, yeah. Do you act like a Christian? Do you act like Jesus? Do you act like God wants you to act? So I'm in this with you. We're in the workshop. Amen. Let's lift a hand again. Say, Lord, keep working in me. I surrender to you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, for your help, for your grace, to be more like you. Help me to be kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Help me to be kind in my family. Help me to be loving. Help me to give out your love every day to all people. So I say, help me, Holy Spirit, not just this moment, but teach me as I go forward that I would walk in your footsteps and that I would be just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. He is so good, and he's on your side, and he knows where we're at, folks. Amen? He knows, and he's always there to help us. He's always there to help us with anything we need help with. So, amen. It's going to be a great day today. Got a service tonight, Albert Sharon tonight.